Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMine. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm joined by Jareen Aris. <laughs> Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, uh, I'm a, I guess, a MOPS and RevOps professional. Um, I had previously consulted for a long time, um, almost a whole decade, um, helping clients with Salesforce, Marketo, um, HubSpot, um, Pardot integrations, and all of the other fun tools in between. Um, but for the past couple of years, I've actually been doing MOPS but more of in a RevOps function with reciprocity for the past couple of years. And I love how you have that consulting experience. It's, it's very different for me. Maybe we touch on that really quickly before we talk about uh, the flip side to being in RevOps as a marketing ops person. But I would love to touch on uh, a lot of times I'd go into a company and you'd have to establish your expertise over a period of time, whereas with consulting, it's a given you're an expert because you're in. Have you seen that as well? Or yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I, you know, not to get political or here or anything, but I mean, especially as a woman, right? Yeah, I have definitely been in situations where consulting has helped validate my my wealth of experience, which is awesome, right? Because yeah, I think there's the thought of. Hey, this person is coming in from the outside. They've had the chance to work with so many other different companies so they can bring that third party uh, perspective pretty easily, Mm -hmm. Um, which is great because I have definitely sat in rooms again as a woman where I'm the only woman there and dream. Can you help us with this? It's a it's quite an empowering moment, right? It it definitely forces you to. look for answers because that's what they're looking for in that role. Yeah. And I would echo your, I've had very, very similar experiences where I'll join a team of primarily men and um, definitely get a different set of questions when I come into the organization than I see my peers coming into, which can be a bit frustrating. I don't think it's intentional or, um, you know, really thought about at all. It's just kind of what happens. <laughs> well, that is for sure. I, I know that I, I, you know, I'm a lot more sensitive to it. Right. Um, but oh, yeah, the- especially if somebody points it out to you, sorry, folks at home, she never <laughs> does this, but I'm taking advantage of it as they get older. You just get go with it. It's okay. I love that. <laughs> how she's like, we were talking about dogs earlier. You need to include me. <laughs> yeah. 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 She never does this. Um, <laughs> So definitely, yeah, I think, and once somebody points it out to you and you start noticing it more, I think it's hard not to notice it. Once once you see it, you can't unsee it. Well, that's, <laughs> so for I think sure. that's for sure. Like you said, it's not really intentional, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, I've had the, the fortune to work with a lot of women-led companies and it definitely over the years have become a lot more, um, sensitive to it and more attuned to it. And so, yeah, I, I do think that when you are a consultant, you come in with a very different perspective. You have to, if you will, have your answers already there. And if not, um, definitely show what you're willing to do to get the answers, right? Yes. Really mean. Yeah, I totally agree. Whenever I'm working with a consultant, 
I appreciate the people who tell me, you know, I haven't run into this before, but I, I have a solid network. Let me reach out to a couple of friends and figure out what they've done about it. Yeah. I appreciate that so much more than trying to bluster through something and picking up on some things like. <laughs> you know what you're. Yeah. About. <laughs> Are we making this up as we go? Because that makes me nervous. <laughs> yes. And if you are, please just pull out, just disclose it. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like I, I need to understand if I'm paying you to learn in addition to doing which is different, a mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. As I, I think expectation setting is so critical, you know, whether you're in consulting or not, like if I'm working with my team, you know, I have, I have this brother who's, who's like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you there at this time. And he doesn't want to do the thing and he just doesn't show. And I'm like, dude, just, said. <laughs> yeah, just, say, just say, you don't, it's okay if you don't want to do it. It's fine. I'd rather hear that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, no matter who you're talking with, right. It, particularly in business, it, it, it just behooves you to have that transparency. I mean, I full on it, even with the stuff that I'm doing today, right. Oh, what are you asking for? You know, how can I help? Well, I don't know if that's, that's something that I've never done before, but let me go ahead and see what I can do to find answers, right? Let me see yeah. if I can find somebody who can help you. Um, I mean, and there's I, nothing wrong with that. We're all still learning, right? Right, always. And I think operations is in such a special position to learn that skill set more than anyone else, because a lot of times the people that we're serving or reporting to don't necessarily understand what they're asking for. And we very true. Mm -hmm. So we get this, I want to know if marketing is working and it's like, okay, that could mean 80 million different, what part of it, uh, you're talking top of funnel awareness, like what, what are we looking for here? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you have to ask also, you know, the, the question of who's asking for it, why they're asking for it. What are it's a little bit more of a, if you will, kind of like even when you're selling software, right? You're trying to discover pain points. So you're trying to understand truly what they're trying to solve for. So you can give them the right guidance. Because otherwise it's, you know, it's a little bit more of like a, you know, um, like a service type of uh, relationship, which is not really what you want. Right? At least I don't want, I don't want somebody to tell me, hey, I want this report, go ahead and spit it out for me cool, I can go ahead and do that. But really, what are you trying to solve? Because right. my value is not in providing a report, but it's making sure that you get the information that you need. Yeah. And I think earlier on in my career, I was more willing to train up than I am now. Because in the past, somebody would say, I just, I know what I want. I want these three things. This is what we're going to do. And I'd be like, okay, buddy, we'll start there. But what I need to understand, like I've been doing this long enough where, you know, you get to a point when it, it becomes the time to start coaching, um, particularly when it comes to interpreting data. Am I right? Oh my gosh. Okay. So fun story today. Um, I was sitting with our marketing leader and, you know, we were talking about conversion rates. So this is like a common, common, uh, discussion, right? But the look on my face, I'm like, which yeah. conversion, right? <laughs> oh, we're talking about down funnel conversion rates. All okay. Okay. Gotcha. Specifically gotcha. that. So, you know, 
Like everybody else, we're always looking to optimize that, make it better. What can we do? What levers can we pull to make sure that we are getting the best conversion rate down funnel to bookings as much as possible? That's sure. always the goal, right? Yeah. So I pull up this report. I'm like, oh, someone on IT made this report. It's beautiful. And lo and behold, I pull up a report. I realized, oh, hold on a second. This is not what I saw the other day. Hmm. And he goes, hey, Dream, is this just wrong? I'm like, no, this is not wrong data. I'm sure I'm interpreting it incorrectly. This probably mm. is a purpose, you know, because there's the whole, um, there's a whole thought of, hey, if the report's not showing me what I want, then it's wrong. Yes. It's yes. If it's not verifying my gut, then I'm going to throw the whole thing out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's not what data is there for. Right? No. And so I, I did have to go back to him and slack him later on going, hey, I have the wrong report. Yeah. Right. I took a look at the wrong. That report was showing a, a different dimension of the same thing, but very different data set. Yes. Right. Yes. So, you know, it, it, that's one of the things that we're, we, we've talked about, particularly in RevOps, is to make sure that people don't call this stuff wrong because mm -hmm. it's not wrong. We mm -hmm. use different filters for different purposes yes. and then you need to recognize what that's for. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, a mind change, mindset change. Yeah. Another thing just, that just sets my teeth on edge is, well, I want to I want us to wait to do this analysis when our data is right. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I don't think everyone understands that data will never be right, uh, particularly when it comes to B2B data. I mean, think about the great reshuffling or the great resignation or whatever you want to call it. And then we had all these layoffs. Your contact database, surprise, is probably 75% wrong. Right? But, but that doesn't mean you can't get valuable information out of it by looking at who used to engage with you and what their profile was. Um, don't wait, you know? Sure. I mean, like, you know, I think that I've always tried to pull up data that way because I recognize that, you know, particularly when you're talking about executives, right? They need data now. They need to make decisions now to help yep. guide the team, right? Yep. And so whenever I'm pulling stuff, I'm like, okay, please know that there are these caveats here. However, directionally speaking, I'm confident with it, right? Because yeah. now it's showing me some kind of trend. And I, I think I rely so much more on that than, oh, okay, I've got like 2000 MQLs today. Yeah. Is that, is that valuable? No. I think some people think that is valuable. And I'm like, okay, well, how are they converting? Did you flood it with a lower converting source? I mean, there are so many other factors. Really? How big is your org? <laughs> right, right. And um, did we just buy content syndication names and load them into... Mm -mm. <laughs> Believe me, just all of the above, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like you said, looking for the right the right data um, and the right, uh, rather the right KPIs, the right data points and trusting that the data is good enough for you to make decisions is, is key. Yeah. And being in ops, it's always had to learn that when people don't see the same things I do, that's, that's why I'm in this job. They're in that job. It's, it's just normal and how it is. But the other thing is, they aren't necessarily equipped to tell the story that you would be able to tell because they're not as close to it. So being proactive and saying, 
you know, I know you didn't ask, but here are the things I'm seeing and here's why I think they're happening and what we should probably dig into next is much, much, much more valuable than give me this report with these three data points. Yes, I, I have to say that our team has made a very big concerted effort to be in that more strategic role. And I know yeah. it's difficult, right? Because yeah. MOPS um, has been always more of a, like a service type of role, right? Hey, what campaign do you need executed? Sure, I can go ahead and do that for you. Oh, okay, you, you want me to send out an email? Okay, sweet, I'll go ahead and do that. Do you yeah. want to go ahead and check another ETM? Awesome, let me do that for you. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't... It, it doesn't tell you what's working, right? What's not working. Um, and that's what I've loved about moving into more of that RevOps role is, you know, and I have to say, I don't know if it's because of the, the position that I happen to step in because I don't have a wealth of uh, experience when it comes to being in RevOps. But I have to say that our team is very supportive when it comes to Really, we need to take a look at what our conversions are down funnel because that's really what counts when it comes mm -hmm. to bookings, right? How much money are we truly making? How yeah. are we maximizing our dollar? Are we being efficient with our spend? And I'm like, oh, that's so that's so much fun to be in that position. Yeah, I think if, having been in various flavors of RevOps and B2B tech for the last 15 years. I've seen it work. I've seen it fail. And, you know, one size never fits all. You sure. talk to any organization, they're going to tell you about all the special things that makes them make special. Them exactly. <laughs> exactly. But when it comes to RevOps, I think a lot of people label RevOps as really a, a next iteration of sales ops. That's not what that is. No. Um, no. A lot of times they don't know where they should report to. And um, a lot of times they're not inclusive of all the go-to-market functions. So they'll just focus on marketing and sales. Yes. And I get why people do that. Um, but in my humble opinion, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. You know, um, Again, you know, this is my first foray into the RevOps world, right? Because my background has always been MOPS. It's always been under marketing. Mm -hmm. um, but when I joined this company, RevOps actually sat under um, our COO, and then sales and marketing actually rolled up to the CEO. So mm -hmm. it was nice that we were empowered to actually take it from a third party looking in. So I felt like really dovetailed really well with my consulting background, right? So we, we we felt that we could be truer to the numbers, which was awesome. Yeah. Right? Um, and while what we do is a lot of sales focus and a lot of marketing focus, we definitely do a lot of customer success as well yep. and product because product is a big, um, yes. It's a big part of, oh, I mean, it's it's why we have a company, right? So mm -hmm. being able to evaluate, you know, how that product is working for our customers, how that how well that product is selling, um, how well we're placing that product in marketing, seeing how, how those functions come together. That's what I've really enjoyed about this particular RevOps role. Right. And then 
going a step further is understanding how to tap into any product signals that you can get to understand one who the ideal customer profile really is like who are your super users who are the people who are really engaged and then how can you pick up on um who's ripe for expansion or at risk of churn there's great data you can have in there um thinking back to my days I've sat in marketing ops, sales ops, customer success ops, and then rev ops eventually. The common frustration I ran into in each of those siloed ops roles was that the other teams didn't understand that anything they changed impacted up or down and or downstream. Yes. So like sitting in marketing operations and being frustrated that the sales team changed all of the fields in Salesforce and nothing's mapping anymore, or sitting in sales operations and having the marketer do a big bulk upload at the end of the quarter and locking everyone out of Salesforce. It's just... <laughs> yes, a whole bunch of numerous ways of like how they can get mad at each other. Yes. Just, they make a small change or like, oh, I decided to go ahead and comp now on this as opposed to this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about it first? And then having everybody report into the same area, there's a lot of opportunity to have, um, you know, structure around your cadences and how often you meet and what you talk about in those meetings. And you start to learn what the other people need to know, which is helpful. Wow. The, the other reason I, I was going down that direction is I see a lot of CROs having RevOps report to them, and it's highly problematic for those out there. So I know it's really hard to sell the board on the idea of somebody in operations being on the executive team because it's another executive position. However, <laughs> you need to look at your alternatives. Anybody you have in the CRO seat there's too many skill sets to be had between marketing and sales. Generally in B2B, it's a salesperson who's the CRO and they're always gonna want you to pay attention yes. to what most impacts the sales yeah. team. And that's not always the right thing for the business. So hearing you report to the COO, one, warms my heart and makes me think that that might be part of why this is working so well for you. It could be. And um, I, I will say too, that we have just, strong people on the team. So mm -hmm. um, the person that I, I report to our director of RevOps, she is excellent because she, you know, even when there are changes, she's like, hey, I just need you to know that while I work closely with sales, while I work closely with marketing, I am really true to the number. So that's the, the perspective that she takes. And that's what she actually, you know, helps, uh, not enforced, but she she empowers us to do that, right? Yeah. So when we're seeing things that are going on, well, this could be better, this could be better. It's not, it's not like, well, it's marketing that needs to do it and it's not sales that needs to do it. It's more of what can we do because yes. the entire um funnel, right? How can we work together as a as that 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 towards that common goal? Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really nice that again, I, I I don't know if it's because it's our particular org, but we feel really empowered to do that. I have seen, I have rarely seen the CRO position do what people intended to do, and that's to align sales and marketing. I have rarely seen that play out. In fact, I'm, 
I'm sure somebody out there is screaming into whatever <laughs> listing device and saying, it works perfectly fine for us. But what I've seen play out over and over is similar to being over RevOps, whichever department they're most familiar with gets the most attention yeah. um, and understanding because they know the work that goes into things. They understand how long things take and all of these pieces, uh, you know, if it's a salesperson, they understand how difficult the job is and how long it's gonna take somebody to ramp up and how much patience they should have. It's a natural human thing. Um, I just, I think people who are thinking it's gonna fix their alignment problem. Alignment is a very different different thing, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, we're, we're like any other company out there. We, we have alignment issues. That's for sure. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it gets even worse when the economy is not great. Yep. When there's a downturn in sales, Yep. Uh, you know, when feel, people are feeling, uh, very uneasy about the current environment in the industry, totally get that. There's a lot more finger pointing going on, right? Yep. Um, but as much as we can, what our team has really tried to do was, it, 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 we'd struggle with it every single day, is not to throw any of the go-to-market strategies under the bus, right? Yep. Because not, it's never going to be like that. It's always going to be, hey, we have this entire funnel here. It's never going to be, oh, that's the one that's broken. Now we've got the holy grail. We can fix that. And then we're we're good to go. Right. And I think that beautifully encapsulates why RevOps is so great is you're, you're functioning more as uh, the unbiased referee, which really operations should be, uh, is impartial and being able to detach and really look at things objectively and figure out where the sticking points are, as opposed to somebody who's really embedded and biased towards making the other people change. Um, yeah, it's that's difficult for us to go ahead and say that's the problem and not look to ourselves and go, I can do this better. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it's very hard, right? Because I mean, I know I do it myself, right? Oh yeah, I built that six months ago. It's it's running fine. I know because I built it. And then I take a look at it, and go, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> that oh, that's I've right. been there. Changed, right? I, yeah. I so I mean, it 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 is a very difficult thing to actually look inward and figure out really what's going on. Yes. So let's speak to some of the objections we've heard in the market about a marketing operations reporting to revenue operations. And this is, so this first one I'm going to bring up, I have an interesting perspective on now that I've been in marketing senior leadership. But one of the concerns is that by moving marketing operations into RevOps, you don't get as much face time or access to a CMO who's already really hard to get attention from. I think once again, it's not going to, it's not going to, mm -mm. uh, now I have a different perspective. I, I'm, I'm, I work in a startup, Yeah. right? Um, mm -hmm. Our company's young. It's not very big. I talk to our marketing leader almost every day. Yeah. So while I don't report to him at all, every time I see something, I'm like, oh, okay, I think I need to go ahead and talk to him about that. Or even like this morning, hey, Jereen, do you have some time? I need something that I need to bring up something with you. Can we talk about it? 
I love being able to build that relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and I have been in other orgs though, where, and, you know, there's also, you know, the, the, the whole being comfortable in my position, mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, confident enough for me to go ahead and speak up where I didn't see the CMO at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was constantly like, oh, well, I got to turn the crank. Oh, I'm so busy. I got to go ahead and just do these. So I, I think it depends on on your comfort level in terms of broaching that that person, that that uh, that that leader, as well as the size of the organization. I think that they have a really big uh, impact in in your relationship across departments. Yeah, and I think there's a couple other factors from the leadership standpoint. Not every marketing leader understands systems or data. And they're not all comfortable with it. And you make time for what you value. So if your CMO won't make time for you, just wait 12 months. They're probably not going to be there anymore. (laughs) No, but seriously, you cannot afford to not be data-driven you're absolutely right. You know, and I, maybe it's because, you know, in the, in the orgs that I've worked with, it's because they've always, if I'm being called in, it's because they already, they're looking for that type of guidance anyway. So, I mean, I've been fortunate in that respect, but you're absolutely right. There have been plenty of people that I've, I've worked with who, who don't have the patience to understand the data, how to pull the data. You you just tell me what it's supposed to be. Okay, cool. Uh, let me go ahead and run with it. And they don't want to dig in deeper than that. Well, and they're also, they tend to be the folks who say it's wrong if it's not what they agree with. Yes. And um, that is its own problem. It, it's it's really important that marketing leaders challenge themselves to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, for so long, We've had to be okay with ambiguity because the data doesn't exist. And that's fine. That's not really the case as much anymore. And we can make much more educated decisions. So start pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and see what you can learn from your operations person. Absolutely. I, you know, I just, I, I love those partnerships that I've had with our marketing leaders where, you know, it's beyond the whole, tell me what lead sources are doing well. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Have we talked about like here are the campaigns that help bring an opportunity to pipe? Yeah. How about the campaigns that are bringing opportunities to bookings? What about those accelerator campaigns? What about the campaigns that take a little bit longer? What Mm -hmm. about the campaigns that are just producing shit? I mean, it's just, there's all of the above. There's so much more beyond the whole, what's giving me the most MQLs from this lead source? Yes. I mean, the best leaders I worked with in operations were the leaders who knew what they didn't know and were honest about it. And then we could have a conversation, you know, if they realize, oh, you're the expert in this area. Why don't we collaborate on what we should be showing people as opposed to me just saying, these are the things I've done in the past. That's much more fruitful. Absolutely. And I, I, again, I, I, I like it more of a partnership because I mean, selfishly, I'm also looking to learn too, right? Oh, yeah. I'm looking at data a certain way, but I mean, I, I love those leaders who come into it and go, oh, well, okay. If I'm seeing these numbers, have we ever looked at 
this place? You know, have you ever thought about that before? Or they say, oh, that's because this thing happened in the market on this date. And you're like, I had no idea because they have right? context. It's great. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. context is everything when it comes to data. So I, yeah, I really like it when it, there's a the partnership. It's not just all one-sided of, hey, here's the numbers I provide to you. You go ahead and bring it to the board. Awesome. Blossom. Or like, just give me these numbers. I That's all I need. And I don't need your input from it. Right. It, it really needs to be that 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 collaboration between the two. Yes. And then having sat in their shoes, I was laughing at myself one day because I realized I did the thing that used to drive me crazy in operations. And that was favor the short term investment over the longer term play. Um, so, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I've done that too, because I'm like, I need deals now, man, let's do this now. <laughs> See, you, you've seen it yourself. Yeah. And, and that's what can happen is the tension between marketing and sales is real. And a lot of it is because one, we're held to different goals, which is a big problem. But another piece of that is a lot of the strategies that marketers can tap into are long, long-term plays and sales teams need to hit their number now so they can feed their family yes so Absolutely. there's that natural so i need to be uh cognizant as a marketing leader that if i don't create enough pipe right now my sales team is going to be starving next quarter and i've you know i've told my ops team you know we have to limp along on this a little bit more because i have to hold an event in order to make up for this deficit and be okay do it within budget constraints i mean yeah what do you actually have you know I, I totally get that i mean you know I, I think that's one of the hardest things like i i know that when i sit with our our marketing team i'm like okay i get that this takes longer what can we do that is cost efficient, that we're not needing to go ahead and spend money to go ahead and bring more, more to the table. And that's a very, I think it's a very different mindset because marketing is always dealing in volume and will always deal in volume, right? But sales is always like, is looking for the particular account, particular people. And to be able to, to bridge that gap, I know that it's, uh, it's probably one of the hardest things, at least for us, right? Because when marketing says, I can go ahead and bring you this, the reality is, is that in order to find the gold in that mountain, right, it's actually very difficult, right? Because then sales goes, oh, you, hey, you sent this all over, but really they're not ready yet. I can't talk to any of them. They don't know who we are. Why did you give me content syndication leads? <laughs> yeah, they're never going to be ready to sign a contract, buddy, but it's a good head stick. <laughs> I've, I've or lived that quite a bit. Right, not the right time, right? Yes. They were yeah, just yeah, put them into nurture campaigns. I mean, it is really important to listen to that feedback. At the same time, I've struggled with, well, I need all my territories to have the same amount of leads. <sighs> yeah. That's just not how that works. I'm sorry. I can try to support you in these ways, but uh, I can't control who, who bites the hook. <laughs> yeah, right. And and again, the nature of marketing is to cast a wide net to see what comes in the door, right? You, I mean, for us, our it's a natural fit that we 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 cater a lot more to people in tech, a lot more tech companies, right? So where is that centered around? That's a lot. It's going to be a lot in California, the coasts, right? And so now you're talking about, I'm like, oh, I'm all the way in, you know, Iowa. Well, I'm sorry, it, there's not going to be that many in there whatever it may be, right? But it depends on what their patches are. And so I know that there's always now, we got to do territory remapping and everything to make it more even for people. I'm like, 
<laughs> it's very, it's very difficult to solve. Yeah. And that's like a whole other issue where we really shouldn't be designing solely on geography. You have to think about population density and what market exactly. you're selling. To. There's so many pieces that go into it. So I think we've touched on if I move to RevOps, I'm going to lose access to my leader. With one small addition I would make is that about the comment on where I choose to spend my money as a marketing leader, if you have a very strong leader in RevOps who can secure a budget for your team, you don't run the same risk of um, your technology purchase disappearing at the end of the quarter because yes. we had to move it elsewhere. Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely work very closely with our marketing leader just to make sure that our tech stack is, is optimal. Are we, are we wasting spend in places? Should we be actually spending it in different places? I, I, I know that he, um, he has talked to me about that when he, cause he's, he's a fairly new leader to our team, right. Where he's all like, Hey, I know that, you know, you have a lot of the, the tech spend in your department. I just don't want to have to fight you for some of the stuff that our, our, our team needs. I'm like, no, no, no. And again, this, this is kind of nice to have that consulting background, not tied to tech so much, right. I definitely have my biases and I'll let you know what they are, but in terms of, of the tech stack for the team, I know that I can make those recommendations and work really closely with, with that department and make sure that they are fully supported. And again, I, I hear a little bit of the, you make time for what you value in that because a lot of teams that aren't involved in operations don't always see the value in taking your time to evaluate the right tool and purchase that one the first time. Um, a lot of times the RevOps people can bring a ton of value as to, well, it does it integrate with our core tools. Yeah. What, what, like, it doesn't matter if we generate leads, if they never make it to the sales team. So <laughs> having somebody in place who can check all those things is just it's definitely that, worth the time. It, you know, it, um, that is one of the reasons why our our department had inherited a lot of the budget. So now we're, it used to be like, we had no budget, right? Um, but they, they decided to shift that around because they recognized that when we're working on all these tools, just like you said, they need to play nice together. Yes. Right? And we also get to see too, if a tool works for one team, maybe we can use that for other teams, right? Yes. But now we get to really optimize our usage of it. So it, it, you know, it's really nice to be able to say, hey, you know, um, sales is thinking of using, you know, this email AI. We were thinking that maybe, you know, marketing can go ahead and use it too. What are you thinking about that? You know, did you want to be part of the demo? Did you want to take part in the pilot? Does that work out for you guys? So I, I think that's a really great, great thing to give them visibility to. So other benefits, one that's popping to mind right now, you mentioned marketing ops as a service department who's really focused on campaign execution. I think one of the benefits of moving to a RevOps function is you do have more potential to be able to start focusing and adding additional skill sets. So what the business values the most is being able to spot insights and turn them into action items that improve the bottom line. So being able to have a team that can help coach you and help you grow in that area, that's that's huge. I'm enjoying that so much because, I mean, 
I've done mops for a very long time. You know, it's always been like, hey, Jereen, we need to do multi-touch attribution, or I need to execute this nurture, or, you know, can you help me with this lead management process? Or we need to go ahead and install lead scoring. And I'm like, I kind of need to expand myself. So, you know, sitting in RevOps and having that opportunity to work with not just marketing, but a lot closer to sales. I mean, I have weeklies with our customer uh, success leader. So, I mean, it's it's working with all of those different functions of the company that has been super exciting. And man, does it look good on a resume? It's a lot easier to move. (laughs) Yeah, even... You know, if you decide, no, I I love marketing operations and that's where I'm always going to be. That's great. But if you have additional exposure to other technology. I mean, technology and strategies like so. So one thing that I'm super excited about is um, our RevOps leader. Right. Because I mean, I think that's the whole goal of RevOps is to just make revenue predictable, right? How can we make it predictable? How can we rely on it? How can we make sure that we get more of it? And, you know, conceptually speaking, we're like, oh, you know, it should feel like, you know, this machine where we just pull all these different levers and see what, you know, what comes at the end. But she um, has leveled herself up and in the same sense as leveling us up in terms of being very prescriptive about what those levers should be. It's not just like, well, maybe we should just try ABM now, right? It's understanding what ABM is for, because I've, you know, I've done ABM executions with other companies. I'm like, we should be doing it here. But when she's like brought this whole methodology up, she's like, Jareen, we have to consider how young our company is. Yeah. Willing to, what does that really mean? It's understanding those different strategies, how that works. And now it tells me what levers to pull. ABM is not going to be an option, right? But maybe there are other options on the table. That is super exciting and powerful. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's really cool too when you're in operations and start to see how the strategy changes for the different functions too, not just in revenue operations, but like with marketing, particularly content strategy as a small company, you're at a deficit already in terms of SEO competition. So you have to create content people actually want to consume. And the approach you take is so different than an established company. And it's really cool to be able to be close to that and see that change and then understand from a business perspective why they're doing that and then how to help them measure whether or not it's working. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I find it, highly fascinated and it just I'm just I, you know I feel very blessed to be able to do that as opposed to like oh let me just go ahead and execute another nurture campaign which by the way I did do last week so <laughs> oh yeah no we still do the other stuff still yeah. doing it. for so sure real. but it was good to learn other stuff while I'm doing it exactly exactly and then eventually as the team expands you can choose different specialties and there's just a lot of options um I think having a RevOps leader who's really good at building a business case that that resonates with the CFO and CEO and why they need more resources, headcount, that sort of thing, that's a huge win as opposed to just being alone on your life raft in the ocean and <laughs> figuring out capacity models because you know that there's something wrong. You're like, but how do I bring this to the right people, get the right eyes on it, yes. make the right business case for it? Yeah. It, you know, it, it definitely takes some strong leaders to help you with that. 
For sure. For sure. Um, and as much as our marketing leader or sales leader has their heart in the right place, doesn't always work out like it would if, if it was somebody who was like in the role, knew what it took and was able to advocate for you on a more, um, on a deeper level. For sure. For sure. I mean, that's, uh, you know, finding those right mentors is, is key. Yes, absolutely. Are there any other things you want to bring up before we uh, tell people where to find you to network? Yeah. You know, um, you, you had brought this up about um, resources, right? There have been the complaints of, uh, you know, oh, well, my resource is gone. It now went to RevOps, right? They, I get no, I get no FaceTime. I get no execution. And it's not just like, just ter- in terms of like getting guidance on reports, but I have to say that I, I you have to be kind of creative with your resources, yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's true of any role, right? Because uh, I mean, I know that I am not going to spend 100% of my time in production. Mm. However, I recognize that I am the most experienced. I have the most experience in certain tools that we have. So mm-hmm. you know, as, as much as I can, I try and train up like anybody who's willing to learn it, anyone who's raising their hand to go ahead and use it, um, as well as, you know, trying to like find like agencies, cheap agencies as much as possible. <laughs> oh, the struggle is real being at a teeny tiny startup. Sometimes that's the only way you can scale because for some reason we have more budget for consulting than we do for the internal resource. But, you know, well, but I mean, I, I recognize- You take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, and I recognize the, the the needs for that, right? Mm-hmm. Because maybe you, maybe your 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 needs uh, have ebbs and flows. Oh or, yeah, right. And it, yeah. there's also the the commitment level too, right? It's so easy to go ahead and get rid of a, an agency. You can plug them in, you can take them out when you need to. So I, I recognize that. But at the same time, I'm like. I know that like when I take a look at the stuff on my plate, I'm like, I end up having to go to my boss all the time. I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, how do I get this all done? What do we do? How yeah. Do we creative with some of this stuff. Where can I buy time? Yes. Yeah. Now that, that is a skill for sure that everyone must have. Yeah. 20 things just popped into my head where I'm like, yeah, I used a consultant for that. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, when I was consulting, it would be great. I have a big, I have a big vacation coming up because I'm going to be traveling internationally. So I, yeah. I, I'm doing my, my, you know, my due diligence because it's, it's going to come up at the end of next month. Right. So I'm yep. like people I'm working with, oh yeah, I'm going to be gone. But that's also <laughs> the day I leave is also the day that we're launching some big initiatives. I'm like, of oh, course, no. Of course. Yeah, it's tough. Like one of the things about being in the Seattle area is I contracted for Microsoft because at some point you do that if you live here. And it was amazing walk. This is related, I promise. Watching all of the knowledge walk out on a regular basis because they only really had management teams. They were in meetings all day long. So they were 100% dependent on the contractors to get the work done. There's got to be a balance. Like you should be able to go on vacation and not worried, worry about something, a wheel falling off or something. Oh, but at the same time, like when we get so dependent on people, 
Like, well, if, I, I mean, I will go on vacation. There's just no doubt about that. But well, you have to. Yeah, you have to. Yes. But I know that like with these big, because, you know, you care about your job and everything, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh, gosh. I'm like, I'm going to have to. It's more of like a self-discipline thing, right? I'm going to have to maybe just check in every once in a while, not yeah. like, what's going on, guys? I think that's a future episode, how to check out. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is hard for, especially the personalities I see in operations, you know, leadership, any of those, there's certain personalities attracted to certain roles, and it's just so hard. It becomes the baby that you have to <laughs> nurture. Well, you know what's funny is that somebody had told me, because uh, they worked in IT, right? He's a... He said, Jereen, if I do my job right, no one sees it. But if I do it wrong, everybody sees it. And I yeah. feel that that lends itself to in operations, yes. right? So yeah. as much as I can go ahead and make sure everything's going right, I don't want to get that call, like, you know, on the weekend, at night. Yeah. Going, yeah. Hey, something's broken. <laughs> well, and it's too easy to blame something being broken for something functionally not not there Built for it or not prepared for it or taking something to yeah another episode too huh yeah yeah <laughs> we have a segment called the soapbox and i feel like that's the perfect place for that one <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us this has been really fun uh where can people find you online to network oh linkedin uh i'm i, I don't have a website or anything because i'm not that savvy <laughs> well, well, why would you? <laughs> well, I mean, I did have an eight, you know, well, I guess of my own agency for a hot second. Yeah. Right? But, um, Same Z's. But at this point, it's like LinkedIn is where everybody LinkedIn. sees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you in any communities, active in any communities? Um, I I try and participate as much as possible in like women in revenue. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, any kind of advocacy programs like that. Um, but that's probably the one that I'm most active in. And same with, um, I think it's, uh, what is it, Mop, uh, MoPros? MoPros, yeah. Mopros, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, folks, those of you out there, thank you for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend, write a review, subscribe. And if you're looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com.